Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison. I am a contributor with uh, NinerNoise.com, um, and here with me, uh, hopefully uh, still alive after uh, that football game on Sunday, uh, is a fellow contributor at Niner Noise, Chris Wilson. Chris, uh, how's your heart, and uh, how is everything else? I'm not like seven years old or something like that. Is that like an old man joke or something? Yeah. Like, I mean, it definitely took a, a year or two off of my life, but hopefully I have a few years left in me. And it was an exciting contest on Sunday and one that was extremely important and one that came down to the wire. And yeah, like I said, one that may have taken a year or two off of my life. I might have had to pull a gray hair or two off my head over this week. But it definitely ranked up there near the top of regular season games Yeah, for as long as I've been watching the 49ers, which apparently since I'm 70 is a long time. Since you're 70. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the <laughs> impact of the game was close to being as high as you can be over the uh, final month of the year. And we have successfully completed the gauntlet. I guess everyone's just calling it that now. Yeah. We faced three teams that were the, you know, the most difficult three teams record-wise in the, the history of the NFL, and we, we were 2-1. and one. So 49ers played very well especially on offense and we were victorious in the end thank you george kittle yeah absolutely so question for you and uh, i've heard a couple people ask this question yeah where's this rank of all the 49ers regular season games that you've seen which i assume is all of them since you've been alive where's this rank uh, among all of those games all of them for every single one i don't think i said it was an easy question um it's up there for sure um as you were as you're uh, sort of as we were talking about this a little beforehand i started thinking about a couple of things some of the others that that are sort of regular season highlights that i remember uh for sure the um the first uh colin kaepernick game that he played i believe it was a monday night against the bears if i'm not correct yeah yeah, yeah it's a great game and i i missed the first quarter of the game oh you missed the dime i was to in Kyle graduate Williams. school and i was in class and i remember leaving and checking my phone and then just sort of like 
running to the closest place that had the game on um, and just basically planning myself there. And I already, and the game was already sort of like 14, nothing or something like that by the time I got there. And I was like, what in the world is going on here? Um, Cause we still didn't know who this <laughs> kid out of Nevada was and what his deal was. Uh, there were a lot of good regular season games that, that season, the the game where they went into New England and beat up on the, on the Patriots. Um, oh yeah. In the, in what I recall being a just absolute nasty, uh, weather game. It was like sleeting or something like that, and it was bitter cold and that sort of thing. It's like right before the Super Bowl. Um, probably up there, and not necessarily for all the good reasons. In fact, there's very little to remember about this game. Was the only time that I've ever seen the 49ers play live was here in uh, Charlotte playing the Panthers for the season opener th- three years ago. I want to say. Um, maybe no it's more like four i think it was it was chip kelly's this is the chip kelly season so um yeah four, it was, four, uh, yeah. yeah kaepernick was on the team still he got uh pretty heavily booed before the game started even though he wasn't playing uh it was uh blaine gabbert and the game was actually really back and forth uh the panthers jumped out to a really early lead and the magical blaine gabbert train came back and they they kept getting it pretty close but never close enough and they, the final there was like 60 or 70 points scored in the whole game or something like that it was pretty exciting uh but uh certainly not memorable for reasons other than the fact that i was there and it was kind of that was a cool opportunity um what about you any uh ones that stick out in recent or long-term memory but you said it was, it was the uh the chip kelly year or the tom Sully yeah year? i'm pretty sure it was yeah it was it was chip kelly's season. oh okay Gotcha. Gabbert was there that's all i remember yeah, for sure. yeah. <laughs> that's like more than nothing you want to remember <laughs> Right for me, just the um, pick at the stick is that what they called it? Where Bowman took it back for uh-huh. yeah, yeah. for six, the last game of candlestick. I think for me that was it. That was it. Didn't have quite the. Um, I mean, it did have serious implications, but not quite as much as this last game. Yeah, I think that didn't they guarantee they just kind of kind of guaranteed the the one seat at that particular point, didn't or, they? Or, or a spot in playoffs or something, but I think they still had time to go. So it did have importance, but that was a game I was also there for, and it was just at the time, you know, Bowman was uh, was my guy, you know, and just having having him uh, make that play, and it just so happens to be against the the team the 49ers are playing this next week. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that that for me stands a little bit above the rest, but yeah, you know, there's just so many good ones, especially the ones that I'm there, like you said, just being there and and witnessing it, and yeah, you know, especially especially if it's a if it's a W, hopefully we'll eventually get you to one of those games or. There's a win. <laughs> that, that would be nice to actually get to it to see a live game there. I, I looked at the the long term schedule. I think they're coming back here in like two years, um, and you know, all things being it, the direction that they are, it's looking like that that could be a a good opportunity to get that that win. But we'll see how it goes. Yeah, absolutely. Things things change so quickly in this league for some reason. But uh, yeah, and this one, uh, this Saints game was definitely up there. Um, it was. Certainly, uh, I, I'm, I referred to it, uh, someone was asking me, as a cyclone of a football game. Just, <laughs> just just crazy all over the place. Uh, lots of things happening, lots of changes all the time. Never really know what, what was coming up. Uh, 48-46 is the final score, which is just insane. Uh, we were talking beforehand, it's it's a rare score. It has never happened in an NFL game before. Um, I believe yeah. they called us. I remember you. Sorry to interrupt. I remember you mocking me for for whatever score I came up with, with last week or the week before. Like that's never even been done before. And then and then, but it's a yeah. lot. Whatever I picked was a lot less of a score. Yeah. Well, I mean, if anybody, I, I hope you had the over on this one. Anybody, <laughs> anybody who had guessed that uh, would have been crazy, considering both teams beat the over over under for the game 
by themselves, uh, which is crazy. defense. Yeah, for sure. Who? I mean, who'd have thunk the two of the best defenses in the NFL come up against each other and the offenses lose their minds, um, <laughs> as expected. Uh, of course, it came down to the uh, the uh, love the golden foot of Robbie Gould uh, winning the game. So, uh, really nice job by me with the reverse uh, curse by giving him my down last week, and it just you know knocked him into play and allowed him to come in and, and, and make that really easy chip shot field goal. Very nice work. Thanks to the uh, really uh, just inability of, of the Saints defenders to bring George Kittle down. Uh, but just juggernaut offense by, uh, you know, from both teams. Uh, the defenses, I guess, were just like, you know what? We, we're allowed to have one bad day, and they both decided to have it at the same time. Uh, so very interesting. Uh, but it, it was it was good because, I mean, I think the underlying thing to keep in mind is that even though both both defenses struggled to keep the other team from scoring, uh, it was really, in, in, the, in the full analysis of it, the 49ers defense made more plays than the Saints did, and they were able to make enough plays to keep uh, the 49ers on top. And if you think about like the big, like probably the biggest defensive play of the game, um, well, there's a couple of them, but definitely coming down to that late uh, third, third down uh, that uh, Nick Bosa took down your boy uh, Taysom Hill for a big loss that forced the Saints to punt when they had the opportunity to, uh, to sort of retake control of the game. Um, it didn't end up in that particular moment feeling that big, but if you look at that, uh, the 49ers in a, or 49ers ability to get off the field at that particular point was really key. Um, and then obviously stopping, uh, two separate two point conversions on the play. Uh, one of which was also, I believe involving, uh, your boy Taysom Hill who got Wasn't. stopped for the first one. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, imagine that trying to go out there and go for two. Um, that was the point at which they were trying to go up, uh, I think 28, 14 at that particular point. And they decided to go for two for, because there was a penalty on the, on the play. Yeah, I think it was the uh, second touchdown, I believe. Yes. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. It was. The, they went up thirteen. Yeah, thirteen, thirteen, seven, right there. Yeah, because it's you know it's the first quarter, so let's just go for two. Let's go, let's go for two. Um, and then the second one was the bizarrely bad throw by Drew Brees, who was on point for most of the game, and made just like a weird throw on to nobody on their second attempt. Um, I mean, it was pretty good coverage uh, by Akella Witherspoon, I believe, on the outside. And I'm I'm not sure that he would wouldn't have been able to defend even a good throw, but that ended up being the game. Those two points that they missed out on, um, and not kicking those extra points really ended up uh, making the the game uh, uh, in the end because they they went for two twice. They missed it. They lost by two. So there you go. It really made me sad that that Taysom couldn't pull it out and and cost the team the victory. <laughs> I know for sure for sure um well let's go ahead and uh move on to our uh, one up one down for the game uh lots of good things to talk about here um from the offense and so uh that is what we're going to uh to to start with uh my up for the game is uh the one the only Mr. Jimmy Garoppolo um just another spectacular game he's had a really really good string of games over the last month or so uh through the month of November and now starting into the month of December. Uh, the f- last last week's game against Baltimore was a little bit of a wash, uh, but it was a wash for everybody because it was soaking wet. Um, and he, you know, he played <laughs> as well as could be expected. We, we got dead jokes here. In that game, I think. 
Um, but he's just been really good. And I think all the people that are on the sort of like, oh, Garoppolo's not good and he's going to drag the team down and he hasn't shown the ability to carry them when they need him or, you know, he's the game manager guy. I, I, I think all that conversation can pretty much stop at this point. He has uh, looked more and more comfortable as the season has gone on. He has looked uh, more and more uh, sort of confident in his uh his surgically repaired knees ability to sort of hold up under pressure and uh, shown ability to sort of uh, escape the pocket when necessary and move around a little bit more. And he just looks uh, really calm when the moment asks for him uh, to be. And especially was true in these final, in the final drive of the game when it was really looking like we were going to have one of those, like this game built up to basically a, a whimper of an ending uh, with the 49ers just giving it up on downs and being and being over, but you know he he pulled it out in the end and and that was really important. Uh, so he his numbers looked really good no matter which way you look at it. Uh, he was 26 of 35, which by the way is 74 percent, which is you know real good. Uh, 349 yards, four touchdowns, one pick that again wasn't his fault, which is a common theme of this season. He's got like 10 interceptions, and I would probably is that is that is that right i think it's 10 interceptions um and i would venture i think it's 11 now i bet i would venture to say that at least half of them were not his fault um they were you know balls bouncing off of off of fingers and that sort of thing so it's kind of a rough a rough go of it uh in that case uh pff grade 81.6 overall he was the fourth highest in the offense one of which one of what one of the people above him was matt Breida, who only played like six snaps as they were bringing him back from his injury uh, and also riding the hot hand, as it were, um, in Raheem Mostert. Uh, 79.5 passing grade, um, probably impacted somewhat by the uh, the interception, which, again, probably not his fault. Uh, yeah, I, he's now... I thought PFF was supposed to uh, take that into account, too. So I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you get a... I don't know how you get a 74% completion percentage and throw for almost 350 yards and four touchdowns and only and have less than an 80 <laughs> Great. Well, I, I I chose not to look at his uh, ESPN QBR. Just said I didn't want to be mad, so I have no idea what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know either. I can tell you that on the season uh, for Football Outsiders, uh, with the QBR number, he's he's sitting in eleventh in the NFL, uh, which at a sixty. Hmm. So take that for what it's worth. Um, he's also thirteenth in QB DVOA on the season, twelve and a half percent. And but I will say he's. 13th but it's really more like 11th because uh matt stafford is still sitting in like fourth place um <laughs> and he hasn't played in like 10 weeks and teddy bridgewater who's right above him in 12th place has not played in you know a month and a half so it's yeah keep that those numbers in mind but uh also have been seeing uh, a lot of people throw out throughout their his last month or so of the season and uh sort of like the blind player resume thing i saw somebody do that the other yesterday with uh with him and uh, Russell Wilson over the last month or so, and and Garoppolo's numbers are for sure better over the last month, and uh, Russell Wilson has been sort of mediocre after his big uh, jump on the season. Uh, but the biggest thing for me uh, in this, and something that he has shown, uh, Garoppolo has shown a lot over the last you know month or so, is the ability to lead the team back, and he led them back on three separate occasions from uh, in important spots. They were down 20 to seven. They were down 27 to 14. Um, and then of course the final drive where they needed points to, uh, to win the game. Uh, he just has, has shown himself to, to be uh, a stand-up guy and the guy that they need out there when, um, 
when uh, the time is 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 needed. And yeah, Kittle made a great play on that last on that last catch and a lot of catch and run and his ability to not be taken down and the Saints having to uh, pull on on all extremities, including his face mask, were, were a big important thing. But you know, if Grappler doesn't make that throw where it needs to be, then Kittle never has a chance to make it anyway. So uh, there there we go. Jimmy G. Yep, he's the man. Yep, and so, so from the way you were saying that. I assume you didn't catch the, uh, the the breaking news that he was named the NFC Office of Player of the Week. I, I did not, but oh, good. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. See. So apparently, you know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and Look the uh, yeah NFL agrees. So he's played fantastic and has been recognized as such a couple hours ago by the NFL communications uh, wing. So nice. You guys are on the same page there. Yeah. Jimmy G is not too bad. Well, NFL, I'd, I will take a job in your communications wing if you'd like to give it to me. That's, that's yeah, all I'll say. Sure they get in touch with you. So For sure. Oh, cool. Are you done with uh, singing his praises? Because I'm sure you, you could go on all day long, which is fine with me, actually. Yeah, I think I think that... I think uh, For sure, yeah. This just could be a Jimmy G podcast, for sure. I wish everyone was, but you know you're, you're <laughs> new to that. All right, so yeah, yeah. we have lots of ups, but I'm not going to have lots of ups. I'm going to have two sets of ups. All right, I like it. I'm like cheating in different ways every, every week. But I'm trying to cheat into a shorter segments but it's not really working that way maybe this one will all right so the first one is the offensive trio sort of like the cowboys what do they call their their triplets or big three i don't know What's the triplets sure that sounds right their best three offensive players well you've already talked about jimmy and the triplets did include aikman so we're going to remove him and we're going to just go with this the the offensive trio of sanders kittle and mostert so one wide out one tight end and one running back and those three were the main uh, runners and catchers and uh, combination of the two and, and, and actually um, one, one guy can even throw the ball yeah, yeah so you know, so we have a uh, sanders who unfortunately did cause that one intercepted pass but other than that was just spot on all day long and he's really ignited this 49ers offense and the combination of having him and in, even in, in, an injured kittle in the game just makes the 49ers offense run so much smoother and garoppolo actually has people to throw the ball to you know especially now with marquise goodwin after the rest of the season on ir and you know possibly or probably no longer in a 49ers uniform after this season so that's a yeah. little bit of sad news there expected much more from and welcome back jordan matthews for the like fifth time this season <laughs> yeah really right so we'll start with sanders sanders got the chance to play quarterback on one play and threw one pass it was complete for 35 yard touchdown so that's pretty good he posted a 158.3 uh, quarterback rating so he actually outplayed grappolo <laughs> yeah i guess he was the best quarterback in this game even better than Taysom in the zero for one as well as breeze so sanders opportunity to pass came on a i guess it's not technically a double reverse but might as well call it a double reverse pass to, to mostert for the, for the score and uh, also caught a uh, what was that 75 yard touchdown pass from uh, from garoppolo was that the uh, second drive oh no the second actual drive but the third drive of the of the game for the 49ers because the 49ers pulled one of their shanahan drives on their own second drive so he had a 75 yard reception there ended the game with one passing touchdown one receiving touchdown 157 yards on seven catches so that 22.4 yard average not too shabby and he was uh, supplemented a little bit by debo debo was not quite the offensive threat that he was in per games, but he was still able to put up, uh, I think he put over 75 yards through the air. Five for 76. Oh, okay. All right, so my memory is still there. Yeah, so over 75 yards uh, 
through the air. And then he also added, um, I think like thir- over 30 yards on the ground. So I guess I really shouldn't say anything negative about him. That's actually an awesome day. So <laughs> Debo is still good, but not quite at Sanders level because Debo didn't throw any touchdowns. So maybe we'll let him do it this week. They should let him do it. Yeah. So sure. on to number two, Kittle, who's just a monster. And you know, he had the final reception was a fourth and two catch and, and run and keep on running and have you know sort of look like you know, a dad with three kids jumping on top of him trying to trying to bring him to the ground it wasn't only except three. grabbing a space mask <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah like you said just, just grabbing it whatever they could and then I, actually you know, sort of looking back it was probably smart of that i'm not sure who, who it was that he ran over first but whoever caught up to him first grabbing the face mask because otherwise he's just going to run him over for a touchdown so it's best just grab the face mask and hold on for dear life and wait for two of your friends to come over there and try to tackle him and get carried another 15 yards and, and you know, hope for a, a Robbie Gold miss. So it was, it was actually probably not the most unintelligent move on his part. But if it were me, I'd just get out of the way because, you know, safety first. But he did try. So ending with that play, Kittle managed six catches, 67 yards, obviously still hurt by normal human standards. Also added a score. Um, and then, of course, made the, the play of the game when otherwise it, it was not looking good for the 49ers in that situation. And he turned a potential very, very bad situation in a loss and into a win. So got to get him in there. And then Mostert, who is suddenly turned into the 49ers' best running back. I'm not sure what happened <laughs> between yeah. him going from team to team as, as a gunner to being like, on the borderline elite. <laughs> but I'll take it. He only had uh, 10 rushes, but for 69 yards, won't say anything about that, and, and a score, which is, uh, which is key. And uh, they hit, hit him a couple of times in the passing game, too, but he had 40 yards uh, receiving, so another guy with over yeah, 100 total yards. 35 of which were on that catch from Sanders. By yeah, the way, so. yeah. Well, he, he ran a beautiful uh, wheel route against Cam Jordan, so the, the more that he can run wheel routes against defensive ends, the better off he's going to be. I'm not sure how many more times he's going to have that opportunity, but he, I'm sure he enjoyed it. And and uh, I'm not really sure about the whole touchdown celebration thing that he has going on. I'm not sure really what he's trying to do there, but... He, he's swimming. He's, he's, he's swimming, is it? Is I what, guess. I don't I, know. That's I, what I it looks know. like. I mean, whenever he does it, I like it. For sure. It's a good thing. I want more swimming, if that's what it is. Absolutely. So that is my first set. Those three, they, they, they stood up above the rest. Although, there was a Matt Breed out there, and Breed actually ran, I think, a little bit better than most are but on abbreviated carries, sort of spread it around. And then Coleman, who's, I don't know what's, what the deal is with him, but I think he was like three for six. Uh-huh. And yeah, I think he's, I think he... Uh... They gave him like one drive or one series and just did a whole bunch of nothing, and then that was it. Yep. So I don't know what they're going to do with him. I mean, I mean, he's cheap, so they'll definitely keep him, but they, they need to use him differently. They need to use him maybe on the outside, maybe in the slot as a, you know, as a receiver, maybe you know, a dual uh, running back type situation, but they definitely need to do something differently with them because it is not working with them over the last couple couple weeks. But the nice thing is that head coach Shanahan, who's a big Coleman fan, has realized that and has gone to his, his better running backs when he needs to. So yeah. so uh, props to Shanahan on that one. So that's my first up. And then my second up, which is, well, it's actually quite serious, but, it's, but yeah, it, it's also a lot of fun, is Sean Payton's Taysom Hill obsession. So thank you, Sean, for playing Taysom Hill in all the wrong times and having to do all the wrong things and basically losing this game for your <laughs> team. The first time that he put Taysom in the game you know, in a key situation was that, like you said, on that, I believe it was the, the second drive of the Saints 
uh, after they scored the touchdown and then they had that the 15 yard penalty that shouldn't have been a penalty but it is what it is well i can see why they call it a penalty but i disagree with the fact that it is a penalty via the rules not that that matters but anyway they, they got that one yard and then sean's like hey that one yard's gonna allow me to hand a ball off to my boy actually was that a handoff or a direct snap yeah that was when they tried to run the reverse or the they they handed it to him and that, that, that was a jet sweep right yep yeah yes because because he had a couple of fantastic plays for us that game so that that was the uh, the jet sweep the uh two-point conversion where he lost i believe four yards in the play so you did, it wouldn't have mattered how many penalties the Niners were gotten that play was not going to work and that would you know eventually like you said cause the saints to go for two again and miss it and those are the two points that the four Niners won by and that the saints lost i enjoyed that for sure good good for us but believe you me, this is just the beginning because <laughs> Taysom's early failure only increased Peyton's resolve to force his favorite player to be the player of this game, which he sort of was for us. So let's fast forward to the next big play. This is actually the drive after they scored four straight touchdowns. So, I mean, they're, they're rolling. The 49ers defense is just not having, I don't know, they just didn't come to play and having all these problems in the secondary and linebackers. And it just seemed like the Saints are just going to keep on rolling. The Niners just score every drive. And Sean Payton's like, okay, this is working way too well. I think I need to take Breeze out of the game and bring Taysom into the game. Yeah. So, three plays, three and out. I think the first time they actually he actually went back to pass, but I was just so hoping he'd throw the ball, but unfortunately he didn't. He scrambled, I think he had like six yards. And then on second down, they brought Breeze back in, and Breeze got three yards, three and a half yards, something like that. So it was like third and one, and they uh, you know, take Breeze back out, put my man Taysom back in there, and then for, I have no idea how Peyton expected this play to work because they motioned Kamara to the field side, and then they ran some kind of like really weak sweep play like the boundary side like the short side of the field and bosa was like no and then just caught him in the back for a six yard loss and, and he was held so I, I don't know what what the play call was there other than to make me really happy so thank you for that sean and then of course the uh the fourth and uh and 18 in the third quarter when the saints were you know sort of failing to move the ball the way they were in the first half and peyton was getting a little bit annoyed and they had the ball in the in 49ers territory and they decided that fourth and 18 is a great time for a, I guess, a, technically a punter pass because they lined him up back as a punter and they moved the punter over to where Taysom usually stands, maybe trying to trick the Niners. Yeah. And then Taysom just took the snap and the 49ers recognized it. The 49ers actually do that fairly often is that they won't play their, their regular uh, punt defense when they're in that type of situation looking for that kind of play because you know there's very little chance that you're gonna have any, any type of return on that short of a punt so you know Taysom just goes back to pass and he just winds up and just throws the ball as as far as he could which was sadly like 40 yards so i don't know about that but he just like throws it at the at the gunner who was um uh Traquan smith who was being covered by uh Traveris moore and not really covered, more like blanketed slash, like the way you would handle a, a normal gunner, like, like like the ball hit him in the back in his yeah, back. Yes, yeah. he wasn't looking yeah. at it. <laughs> so it's a, it's, a, it's the kind of play that's going to be pass interference if it's on a passing play, but it's a punt. So like, how is he supposed to know that it, it's a passing play? So obviously, the NFL rules say that you can do whatever you want to do to a gunner on a play like that, and 
So he did what everything you know, what you would normally do to a gunner on a play like that is he like manhandled them up and down the field even when the ball was in the air and yeah, the ball hit him in the back and it was incomplete and you know, the fans are going crazy. Sean Payton, who I believe is on the competition committee, so he should know the rules of the game that you can do that. Like didn't know, and he was just going nuts on the sideline as if the refs did something wrong. And it's like um, you should probably know the rules, you and your special teams coordinator there so all in all Taysom did a really really great job of doing absolutely nothing in this game other than helping the 49ers win because this is three really key times in the game that he was brought in to do something and he didn't do it if you convert any of those three this would have been an entirely different game yeah but him failing all three times was a you know, significant reason why the 49ers won so after spending what may have been half of last week's podcast going over Peyton's odd obsession with his favorite special teamer that made me happy <laughs> for sure yeah his uh, final line he was over one passing with a 2.1 qbr and a 39.6 quarterback rating uh five carries 13 yards uh including one his long of seven so you know as we like to do that would be uh four for uh six for the rest of the uh of the carries yeah that must have been a scramble there yeah yeah um and then one catch for 12 yards so Big, big day. Yeah, yeah. For... he caught that um, same play that the Niners run where you have a tight end sort of run across the formation, play action, and just wide open kind of, you know, kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. basically the kind of thing that anybody who's on the football field could, could do. So <laughs> that was Taysom Hill. So like I asked slash begged Salah last week, to do, even though he wasn't able to do anything else defensively, he was able to treat Taysom Hill like the running back that he is slash punter who throws the ball into the back of our players and totally shut him down and Sean Payton's weird obsession with him continues and just shows that as long as that goes on and you keep Drew Brees and Kamara on the sideline or on the wrong side of the field then you know the Saints are going to keep on losing games so keep it coming yeah for sure those are my two ups cool um, well, I think we'll, uh, we'll, we'll jump on, on this, uh, on the down, uh, we'll kind of talk about this together. Cause I think our downs are sort of connected to one another. Um, I, my down was passing defense in general, but mostly focused on the, on the secondary. Uh, so they gave up 349 yards, uh, passing, which I believe is, is the highest that they've given up, uh, at any game throughout the season. You have to remember, this is a defense that had several games in a row where they gave up, uh, under 100 net passing yards to several different uh quarterbacks uh earlier in the season so 349 is a pretty big deal uh part of the issue was uh the the saints held up pretty well in pass protection and um they were not able to generate any sacks i believe that's the first time they've done that this season as well uh so that's not good um no sacks is is generally not a good thing when you look at the at the quarterback's line and the uh in the in the yards uh, for the quarterback and the yards for the team matches up. That's usually not what you're looking for uh, in that regard. Um, so they didn't create any turnovers on the de- on the uh, on the in the defensive backfield. Uh, they had the one they had the one fumble, which was obviously very key. But they didn't have any interceptions, which obviously with Drew Brees is not like wow. It's not like Jameis Winston was out there and they didn't create any interceptions. Uh, so it's a little bit of a different thing. Um, of their six passes defended, this is the numbers that come from ESPN. Um, only half of them came from defensive backs. They had one each from Sherman, Witherspoon, and Harris. Uh, the other were uh, Bosa, um, let's see, uh, Bosa, Dre Greenlaw, and uh, Fred Warner. So not not necessarily a good thing if you're 
defenders are not making plays on that um, regard. And then as we're going to probably get into more detail in a, in, a, in a little bit, it looked like there was some miscommunication uh, moments, especially throughout the early part of the game when the Saints were sort of just racking up yards that and they looked kind of unstoppable. Um, it looked to me that it mostly had to do with the linebackers uh, miscommunication-wise. Uh, I noticed specifically that Aziz Alshair really, really missed something on uh, – uh, Jared Cook's uh, first touchdown um, where he just looked as if he thought that there was help behind him and Cook just sort of, or maybe it was the second one, I don't recall. Cook just sort of went behind him and he was gone. Um, and it was really kind of a, not a good, not a good play. And uh, Marcel Harris, after coming in uh, for Jaquaski Tart in uh, the Baltimore game and playing pretty well, didn't really look like he knew what was going on most of the time. Um, so it was just not not a not a great showing from the defensive uh, backfield in in a lot of ways. Uh, this was the team's second worst PFF co- coverage grade of the year, sixty seven point two, which is you know not not spectacular, not awful. Uh, their worst game of the season was actually the first game against the Cardinals, where they had a forty six point one grade. Although I imagine that the the long reception that Andy Isabella had and the just sort of awfulness of that particular uh, coverage wasn't so great. Um, and they also had their worst tackling grade of 29.6, which is really not good. Um, I know you don't, you're don't, not a big fan of PFF's tackling uh, grades of among many things, but that is just not a good showing at all. Yeah, they were definitely <laughs> missing some tackles. Yeah, yeah there, was, there was missed tackles all over. The, in fact, I don't think either team could tackle. I think that was part of the, the major issue um, is that people would get the ball in their hands and run much further than they did. Um, so uh, the the team's, I think, still fine. I think when we look back at the season, we're going to look at this game as a sort of aberration in the defense. Um, they're still second in passing DVOA, according to Football Outsiders, uh, at a negative 35.6. Uh, way, way ahead of, of Baltimore, who's in third place at negative 18. Um, but to me, this while this says a lot about... Um, the importance of the pass rush and why John Lynch and, and Kyle Shanahan chose to build the defense the way that they did with the defensive line and, and that it would improve the defensive backfield without necessarily bringing in uh, different players. Um, I think it really highlighted that um, the, the defensive backfield's got to hold up better uh, in, in situations like this and, and do their job. That's going to get harder. Uh, Richard Sherman unlikely to play this week and possibly against the Rams as well. At this point, I would I would hope that uh, he'd be able to come back for the for the uh, game against Seattle in the last week. Um, Quan Williams also in a questionable state. He's in the concussion protocol at this point. Um, hoping that he'll he'll be able to get out there uh, on Sunday. Sherman probably out. Um, hopefully Williams will be okay to go. But um, yeah, so I'm I'm generally focusing on the defensive backfield, but I think you have other things to say about the uh, the passing game as well as it pertains to other members of the defense. Yes, I do, and my down is also the passing game. I mean, run defense wasn't quite what we normally expect out of them, mostly because of Latavius Murray, which doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Like they really shut down Kamara totally. totally. Yeah. Yeah. He had less than two yards a, a carry, but Latavius had like ten yards a carry or something crazy like that. So yeah. So maybe they just like trade us Camara for nobody, and then they just play Latavius all the time. There you go. Which is which is one of my favorite names in the NFL. I was just sure. Tevin Coleman for Alvin Kamara, straight up. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah, that seems I, mean, fair. I think Kamara's like he's a third or fourth rounder, and I think Coleman's like a fourth rounder. 
He he was selected. He was selected right before Akella Witherspoon, or right after Akella Witherspoon. Literally the pick after that. So yeah, so it's like yeah, it's like a round away. It's, it seems fair to me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's not like you use them. You got to taste them anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> come on, Sean. You know the running game. I mean it was what it was, but the passing game, the passing defense was really bad, and a lot of that had to do with the fact that Breeze was getting the ball out so quickly. And our linebackers were doing a very poor job of redirecting any of the tight ends and inside wide receivers. They were just letting them run free through the secondary. And because of that, you know, Breeze is just taking three seven drops, some five seven drops, and just throwing right off his back foot. And our safeties aren't in position to make the plays that they would otherwise be able to make if you just make him run around you or run into him a little bit. Like, you know, you're not entirely supposed to do, but everybody does because that's just something you do when you're when you're a linebacker even if you're past the five yards you know, at least just stand there and make him run around you don't like don't like run, get out of his way and just let him run freed you know, down the seam it, it was especially evident in the first two drives so jerry cook who usually drops half the passes thrown his way so it's not a good sign that he got both of his passes that were thrown his way both for scores same with Ted, teddy Ginn. i mean we all know Ted Ginn, and i, I like Ted Ginn. But Tegan drops a lot of balls. And when he starts making like diving catches or like sliding catches, I'm like, oh my, like, this, we're, we're in deep trouble this game. Back to the actual down. The safety and linebacker playing the passing game, especially in the first two touchdowns, they were both by Cook. So the the first touchdown, for some reason, Salah decided, you know, they're, they're playing like a cover three buzz variation where the normally a strong safety will both down come down and, and he'll play in the uh you know like as the middle hook defender in the cover three but instead they decided that they wanted jimmy ward to play that and they put harris as the lone safety in the cover three and that um manning the middle of the field which really didn't make a lot of sense to me and and he's the one who eventually missed the tackle. But then after reviewing the play, although I mean, his tackle was horrendous and you're never going to tackle a man of Cook's size and strength you know, with that kind of lame tackle, a lot of the reason why that play was successful for the Saints is because of what Ward didn't do, not redirecting uh, Cook and just letting him run right by him. So it was like I said, it was, it was a cover three buzz variation. Uh, Harris was deep, and then Ward was in the box. He went out to the apex back in the box. He's responsible for the middle hooks. He's sort of responsible for normally what one of the middle linebackers would be responsible for. So it was a third and ten, and as many times this season, when, when the 49ers have failed in their cover three defense, like many cover three defenses, it was a you know three by one play we have three receivers on one side and then uh, one on the other side plus Camara and Ward dropped to his landmark and you could tell that you know he sort of knew what he was doing there but he, he allowed Cook to you know cross right across his face and just didn't do anything and you could sort of it looked from the like for the all 22 like he was sort of looking to the opposite side of the field to see if maybe Camara was running in his direction even though it would have been a long time before he had been able to actually defend against it but he doesn't redirect cook at all so cook just runs clean down the field in between the two linebackers and it just gives breeze the space that he needs to throw it over warner's head because warner had to hesitate just for a moment when camara got out of the backfield because he he took like one step to the left like he was going to come up in the middle and that would have been his man and then back out to the right so that so just that like half second was all that really uh, that Breeze really needed to fit the ball over his head and then right into Cook's hands and Cook somehow catches it, which is I'm still sort of shocked about. 
and then right in front of Harris, who, who takes a really bad angle. I don't think he really understood how fast Cook is, and sort of hits them from like the side behind, and just sort of, and Cook just bounces off him like he's a little kid. Uh, I mean, he just doesn't wrap up, and it sort of would, it would have been hard for him to wrap up at that angle, but you're never going to take a guy down like that who's that size. So that was the first drive of the game. I'm thinking, okay, great. We've got to figure this out for the second drive of the game. So the second drive of the game, 49ers, they respond with a nice long drive and a score, and you know it's all tied up at seven. So you know we're back to square one. And uh, the second drive of the game, uh, it's a first and ten and in Niners territory. The Niners are going to cover four, and again, it was a play where Harris was, he was okay as far as where he was in the secondary against the, the wideouts on his side, but, but Ward really overcommitted to the other side of the field that he wasn't really responsible for. So again, it was a three by one, but they were in cover four instead of cover three. And they motioned Cook over to the field side from the, the boundary side from the short side of the field. First of all, they had the man, the myth, Taysom, as the wide receiver. He was, he was the number one wide receiver on the outside. He runs this like really weak fly route where he's sort of like jogging down the field and Witherspoon carries him because he's the, the corner on that, on that side. And then Thomas was the number two wide receiver, so he's in the slot. He runs a deep cross, so he is sort of the player that Ward was very concerned about for some reason. I'm not sure why, because Harris was in pretty good position to cover the play. <laughs> the only reason he was in good position to cover the, cover the play is because he totally forgot about helping out Sherman to the outside because good thing that Breeze didn't look on to the right side because he had another tight end who was just streaking down the field wide open because Sherman bit on the initial play fake and it was uh, the, the other hill. Josh Hill. Yeah, it was a good thing that he sort of turned the wrong direction because if, if he had continued you know, looking back at the quarterback, he was wide open and on the way into the end zone because Harris was paying absolutely no attention to him at all because he was just so focused on more dangerous receiver coming across the field but you have so you have two safeties who are just crashing down on one wide receiver and then cook released outside this is a play you spoke about before and al shair basically doesn't know what he's doing out there and he's like okay i, I gotta cover the flat well like you know you have three receivers on that side two of them have already passed you doing the math there's only one left but he just lets cook run around him there's nobody in front of him. Like there's no, you, you can cover the flat all day long, but sort of the same way that Jimmy Ward covered air on the first play, he's just covering air on the second play. So there's nothing for you to do there. So go find work. What you're supposed to do there is don't let him just run around you and then just run straight down the field. Even if you are supposed to have safety help, you have to carry him. Otherwise, if nothing else, it's going to be a completion. It was just a rookie type of mistake, and I think he's still learning the game. So that's something that the Niners are going to have to work out over the next three games or so. So... The one sort of weird thing about that play is that you know Cook is he's like jogging like I don't think the play was really supposed to be to him because he was expected to be carried up the field and he's expecting a safety to be back there and he sort of sees these open and, and then starts running a little bit harder and then Breeze has a, a horrendous throw to the outside where there's nobody there's nobody in the middle of the field at all because Ward totally ramps him out of the play and he throws it like back behind him maybe Cook will catch this ball like one out of ten times maybe and this is of course the one time he catches it so you know he's fully extended fully exposed you know witherspoon who's back there sort of covering Taysom, who's sort of running around and he really lets up if this were the 80s even though cook did get i guess concussed on the play he would have ended cook <laughs> even even with the lack of size because he was fully extended i mean he just could have he could have killed the guy i mean he could have just totally annihilated him and not literally killed him well he maybe he could have but but like i said last week 
hurting opposing players is a Saints thing. It's not a Niners thing. We don't want to do that. So he definitely lets up, but you know, a little bit of his shoulder, I guess, hit Cook in the head a little bit, but there's really no other way to hit him, and he barely hit him at all, and Cook apparently was just knocked out. And the ball drops to the ground. They review it. They say it's a touchdown. I'm still not sure why. I'm not sure how you can make a football move when you're unconscious, but apparently he did. And they give Witherspoon the penalty on the play. I'm not sure if they, they, they find them afterwards or not. Um, so I don't know if they confirm that to be a bad hit, but I mean, he, you know, you know, Witherspoon, he's not trying to, he's not trying to hit anybody <laughs> rather than to make count of any players, especially a guy that size. And there's really no other way he could have hit him. And he really didn't hit him very hard. He totally let up and he was very passive towards him. But yeah, I guess he hit him enough in the head to, to knock him out. So he, he gets the, the penalty and actually ended up working out for us pretty well. Cause then we, we got tastened and then that led to the, two-point conversion that that did not fly so anyway that that was just basically that the first two drives of the game and the first two touchdowns were just miscommunication and poor play the combination of the safeties and the linebackers if they both don't know what they're doing then we have a big problem and i still do not understand why you would have harris as the lone deep safety in a cover three and then have Ward just covering errors in the middle hook at defender on a play like that. I mean, this just doesn't make any sense. So, I mean, that's on Salah. He's got he's to switch that up. Harris is valuable in certain ways, but that's hitting people when he's playing in the box and doesn't always make the tackle. And he actually allowed the third touchdown of the game, too, against Josh Hill, who was like in motion into the backfield and you know, as a fullback and he just totally bit on the fake and he just ran right by Harris and breezed him for the easy score. So it's, you know, I guess three scores in a row and you can, you can blame all three of them on players who are playing because of other guys who are injured and they're inexperienced. So that's something that is on Salah and Salah needs to teach these guys how to defend correctly. Otherwise they're just going to continue to get eaten up, especially against teams where you know, they're throwing the ball quickly. I would expect that a lot of that from Atlanta this week, then they get the ball out very, very quickly. Because if you're not redirecting, especially the tight ends just run down the seam or, or down the numbers or down the hashes, just totally uncovered, quarterbacks in the NFL are going to be able to hit them nonstop. It's not going to be an issue. So you're going to get hosed on defense and it doesn't matter what your safeties do. So he has some teaching to do this week. I was just disappointed about that. It didn't come up as much in the second half. I think it was a combination of it was probably a focus at halftime, as well as the fact that they didn't really try it as much because Cook was out of the game and they, they sort of ran out of tight ends. That's just one aspect of the passing game that will continue to kill them. It will continue to allow quarterbacks to throw the ball quickly. Therefore, we will not be able to sack them, which is what our defensive line does very well. And they'll continue to pick up chunk plays and touchdowns if our secondary is not able to help out the linebackers for the linebackers are defending incorrectly, basically. So there's my loan down of this game. <laughs> a long one, but, but that's it. <laughs> yeah, not not good uh, to, to be in that position at this point in the season. Uh, but hopefully something that, that is uh, fixable and uh, something that they can work on in the weeks to come. And also hopefully we'll be seeing uh, uh, Jaquaski Tart back in there uh, as he was playing really well. Um, unfortunately, none of, our, none of our other linebackers are coming back at this point. But uh, I think having... Tart back there instead of Harris might help with some of the some of those issues as well. So. Yeah, because he's a guy you can throw back there as a single high and cover three. Yeah, if you need to. But Harris just just, just keep him in the box, man. Keep him in the box where he belongs. Yeah, yeah for sure. Well, uh, let's go ahead and move on from uh, that uh, crazy game into uh, next week's game, where the 49ers will turn home 
for the first of their last two home games of the regular season to face a suddenly sort of resurgent Falcons team uh, featuring uh, Mike McGlinchey's first cousin at quarterback. Uh, <laughs> so that'll be fun. So, Chris, uh, as we uh, begin talking about this game and moving into uh, the last couple of weeks of the season, the, the Falcons have been playing pretty well uh, the last couple of weeks. I guess, relatively speaking. Um, but uh, what is it that uh, worries you about this this Falcons team and the matchup uh, this coming Sunday at Levi's? They have Julio, so that, that will always worry me. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, but outside of that, they're playing well for a Falcons team, I guess. I believe that this is the first time that, that Shaney's playing Atlanta, is it not? I don't, I don't believe that they've, they've faced each other since he left, so that should be interesting. The one thing that I'm worried about is the potential letdown factor. The gauntlet has finally been completed, but that doesn't mean that the season is over and the quote-unquote gauntlet is difficult because you're playing teams that are harder to beat, but you still have to beat the other teams too. So, so the Niners need to win all the rest of their games. And unless you know, Seattle starts falling apart and starts losing more games, like they were falling apart last week, which I guess is always possible given the fact that they're so up and down and they've really been in a position to lose pretty much every game other than that one game against uh, the Cardinals. You know, unless that happens, the, the Niners need, need to win this game. So you know, I read that you know, Shannon noticed that the players were super tired on the plane, like sleeping on the plane on the ride back home, which was in direct contrast from the way that they were acting after they beat uh, Cincinnati when they had the two-game uh, stay over in, uh, in Ohio. And I think he gave them an extra day off, so... You know, they didn't have to come in on Tuesday, so you know, practices began on Wednesday. So you just can't have a, a trap game like this could potentially be. It's similar to the way that the Saints did versus Atlanta. And we were talking about that, that was back in the Week 10 when they got pretty much manhandled by Atlanta. So it was maybe 26 to, to 9. So you, you just can't have a game like that. You need to come out and you need to continue to be a good football team and beat the teams that you are better than, obviously, better than. And Atlanta is one of those teams. Now, I mean, you do have a coach who's coaching for his job, and you have a Shanny's you know return against the Falcons. So hopefully he will be up for this game. I'm I'm sure that he is. I mean I don't think there was any ill will when he left. Just um, no significant ill will that I'm aware of. But still, I'm sure that he wants to beat his old team badly. So I'm counting on him to have the the players up ready for the job because you know any any given sunday for sure and then you know the, the news that ridley is out for the season is definitely definitely beneficial to the 49ers since sherman will not be playing so the falcons basically have you know one wide receiver that everybody knows you know they, they have a tight end in, in hooper who's pretty decent so that's another guy that the linebackers and the safeties are gonna have to pay some attention to especially in that cover three and then they, they have that rookie from last week who I actually will give you all my 49ers tickets if you can tell me what his name is or pronounce it correctly. <laughs> I, I, I I doubt I could. Yeah, n- n- number 17. Olamide Zacchaeus. I don't I don't know how, how that's pronounced. Definitely no tickets for you. So yeah, I don't he, he's number 17, I'm pretty sure. Number 17. Yeah. And yes. he caught his only pass of his career as a rookie. And it was a 93-yard reception. But it was right after really got knocked out. So he's a guy that is a question mark because he has a 93 yards per reception average over the course of his illustrious NFL career. 
But I mean, and the, the kid could definitely move when, when I saw him on the highlights. So he, I don't know if he's going to be their number two or he's probably going to be more of like a number three or maybe a gadgety kind of guy. But otherwise, they really don't have a lot because they traded Snoo away. I mean, thank you very much, New England, for that one. So yes, yeah, so otherwise, it's, it's really just the Julio show, which often the Julio show is all the show you need, but he's not quite the receiver he has been in past years. And hopefully that will continue into week 15. So you have to have a focus on him, even though it doesn't seem like Salah really likes to focus on number one wide receivers, like a lot of other teams do, just sort of plays the defense the way that it is. But the players need to focus on him because he's going to be the, the main threat. And then you're going to have you know, the, the tight end there is sort of the number two. And then, you know, maybe a wild card in number 17, whose name I cannot pronounce. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fun fact about good. Fun fact about uh, about Z- Zacchaeus or whatever Zac- Zacchaeus or whatever his name he is. He needs a nickname bad. <laughs> up to, <laughs> to old Olamide. Uh, up pri- common pri- spelling. Common spelling. Pr- pr- yes, exactly. Uh, prior to that game against Carolina, where he played uh, twenty two snaps, uh, he had played thirty two snaps uh, in the games leading up to that point. <laughs> so. Uh, that was one, two, three, four, five, six games, 32 snaps. On Sunday, he played 22 uh, snaps in that yeah, one so, game. So. So I would assume you get a, you know, a similar number this uh, upcoming week. So For sure. We'll, we'll find Maybe out what his make of that, that number 17 with the fun name. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I, I think uh, for me, kind of similarly, uh, the fact that their offense has been looking a lot uh, steadier the last couple of weeks. Uh, they had a kind of a rough start. They started one and they were one and one in their first two games, and they lost six straight games. So they were one and seven uh, to start the season. Uh, but since then, they're three and two. They beat the Panthers twice, which uh, you know at the start of the season we might have been like, oh, that's pretty impressive. But uh, since the season has gone on, that's not looking really all that impressive. Uh, the longer that the that the year goes on, uh, the Panthers look less and less like a team that is like surprised that anyone beats them at this point. Uh, they did have that win over the Saints that you noted, um, and they lost to New Orleans the second time that they played them, uh, and Tampa in the in the interim there. So they had two wins, two losses, and then they won on Sunday over the Panthers again. Uh, over that time, offense has been you know pretty decent. They're averaging 23 points a game over those uh, five games, but their defense is really uh, stout in those uh, Panthers and Saints games that you noted. They uh, beat the Saints 26 to nine. They beat uh, the Panthers I think 28 to three or something like that. Uh, so they only gave up 12 points in, in two straight weeks. But that was you know like a month ago at this particular point. Their defense has not held up quite as well, um, although they did pretty well against uh, McCaffrey on Sunday. So there's that. Um, their offense has been has been good, um, good enough in the last. Uh, month and a half or so to to run them up to it's, uh what are they sitting at four four and eight now at this particular point five and eight four nine um, yeah. four nine yeah 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 uh so you know they're this is certainly one of those games where you could look at it and go yeah the the trap game opportunity is there but I think while there are players there Matt Ryan is is still there and he's still a good quarterback he's not you know playing up to the MVP level that he was when Shanahan was there um, and of course there's there's Julio Jones to worry about not having to worry about Calvin Ridley who's been really good this season uh, is a really nice uh, thing for the 49ers not that I would wish uh, hurt on anyone but the fact that he's not there is going to be good for the team um, from our perspective I'll certainly take uh, the fact that he's not there and then as you noted Austin Hooper uh, who could who is certainly capable of uh, giving the 49ers the Jared Cook treatment if they don't pay attention to him. But all in all, I think this is a streaky team. They are certainly 
the the one thing that gives me a little bit of pause is that whole we've got nothing to play for team and so their basic mo at this point is just like spoiling everybody's uh, season they kind of did that for the saints when they beat them because if you look at that if they take that loss away from the saints then we're still tied uh, atop the uh, the NFC and and less to worry about and that sort of thing, but all in all, I think the 49ers that are a better are a better team. And while the Falcons certainly have uh, the offense to sort of stay in the game, I think the 49ers defense is going to be looking to uh, sort of prove that last week was was super fluky and and uh, make a, a little bit of a statement uh, this this week against the Falcons. Um, so with that, we'll go ahead and move into the predictions for this week uh, as we uh, wrap things up. And um, as I was saying, I, I, I'm, I'm not terribly concerned about this game, mostly because uh, the 49ers have not really shown themselves to be a team that plays down to bad competition. I think all in all, they've even when they've come up against teams that they are noticeably better, and, better than, they have gone out and gotten the job done. And in fact... I think if you you could arguably look at their season and say when they play teams that they are noticeably better than, they have put the hurt on even more than they have in other cases. So situations like when they played the Browns, when they went out and stomped them, and then when they played the Bengals and they went out and, and punished them. And uh, I think the punishment that they probably would have put on the Redskins if it hadn't been you know downpouring uh, and this field hadn't been awful, uh, the way that they beat the, uh, the Panthers in that game and, and so on and so forth. Uh, of course the Cardinals game gives you a little pause, but there's some sort of ulterior things going on there in the fact that Kyler Murray is not a normal quarterback in, in many ways. And that has given them pause, but, uh, Matt Ryan is definitely more of the traditional, uh, drop back passer that they are more than capable of, of stirring up. Uh, you noted this is uh, Shanahan's first time playing against the Falcons since he left. Um, I wouldn't really call it a revenge game because, as you said, I don't think there's really any animosity. He left to take a, a head coaching position, and so it's not really a big thing. But I, I would imagine that there are, are Falcons fans who still blame him for the fact that they lost that Super Bowl. Um, in fact, I'm 100% sure that they are because I've heard people talk about it, that Shanahan is responsible for their losing the Super Bowl 28 after that, uh, before he left. Um, so yeah, which, which, which could be true. Yeah. I mean, but they never would have been there in the first place without him, but this is also true. Um, uh, so, and, and that is the story of Kyle Shanahan until yeah. this year. Yeah, obviously. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so my guess is that Shanahan will probably want to bring out the hammer, uh, for this game and show the Atlanta Falcons fans that they are missing him and that their offense has not been the same since he left. Um, so for me, this has the makings of one of these runaway victories where they, sort of run out into a into a big lead at the beginning and then just kind of hold on uh throughout the rest and coast to the to the win at the end um maybe not quite to the extent that the the Panthers game was but something along those lines aside from the fact that this is a these next three games are really important in terms of not them making the playoffs but in terms of their their seeding and their positioning and I think it's I think it's important for this team to take that number one overall seed and and make the path to the Super Bowl and the NFC come through Santa Clara. Absolutely. I, I think that matters to them more than anything. And and I think given where the team is as well, the fact that they're young and they don't have a lot of playoff experience, I think it matters in that regard too, that they probably look at it and say as a point of, you know, pride and a point of interest and say, you know what, we want to make this 
this road to the Super Bowl as simple for ourselves as we can, and if we can stay home during the whole during the whole thing, you know, it's it's you know two games instead of three and that sort of thing. I think that's that's super important. So um, I'm gonna go 35-10 for the 49ers leading into this uh, short week, which people are sort of forgetting about. Uh, that the Rams game will be on Saturday uh, next week, so that's kind of an interesting thing. So they'll play two games in the next uh, in the in that six day span. So kind of interesting, but they're both at home, so that's that's helpful. So thirty five ten forty ers over the Falcons, Chris. Yep, yeah, it's a pretty good prediction, even though we've been way off on many of our predictions and spot on with some other ones. So I'm thinking something pretty similar. I've watched a handful of Falcons games, and, and Freeman's just doesn't seem to be the same running back he that he used to be. Ryan is, I guess, similar as a quarterback as he used to be, but he's just holding on to the ball too long. So if they don't have that like the specific game plan to get the ball out of his hands immediately, this could be like a you know, a multi 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 sack game. But you know, after seeing the way that I guess the you know the first pocket passer that the 49ers have faced that has torched them last week, how the Saints were able to you know, handle the, the the Niners injured defense then you know, I think it's fairly likely that they'll at least try that. So hopefully Salah is up for the challenge. We, we will find out. This game is was originally 11.5 Niners, which seems a little bit high just for a line, not necessarily for a, a final score. And it's dropped down to 11, uh, with 65% of the bets coming on the Falcon side. So that's the way it's supposed to go. And then it's moved up from 45.5 to... 47 for the under over over under under over I don't think I heard anybody say that so <laughs> the under over over under uh and 91 percent of the um, the bets have come in on the over so that's about pretty consistent too so that would make it 29 to 18 i believe and it's not going to be 29 to 18 even though last <laughs> week we got a, a random score that, uh, very unlikely yeah you know, there have been seen in the NFL before. I don't see a 29 to 18 game uh, out of this one. I'm thinking more of like a 31 to 17 game. And I think it's a game where if the Niners jump out to a big lead that they are going to rest some of their starters and bring in some of their backups. It seems like Sal has been doing that on the defensive line already in very, very important situations. So I think that may be a focus in this game if they are able to jump out to a significant lead that they believe to be insurmountable. But in the fourth quarter, you might see some players that you don't normally see on the field. And I think that would be a perfect situation. And that's, I think, how they would get to 17 points. Because I think the Niners are not going to have a trap game in this season. They're going to continue to play hard and play consistent and be the anti-Seahawks and be the teams that they're better than. So a 31-17 to 17 victory for the Niners. So take the over. Like, like I said last week, right? Didn't I say that? I don't, I don't I remember if you did or not. I, I didn't. I definitely didn't, but I'm just, but you should have. <laughs> so I'm going over and Niners because we're going to have a, another, another nice win, uh, rest some of our players in the fourth quarter and get ready for the last two very, very important games against the two NFC West foes before the playoffs begin. Playoffs, playoffs for the 49ers. I'm feeling good about this. I'm liking it. Yeah, and I, and I believe the win will clinch the playoff position this this Sunday. Yeah, yeah. a win would, and there are a couple other like. You I, know, I think like, the Rams losing would also do it. Yeah, and then well. some, it's like, like somebody else like ties and somebody else but whatever. Let, let's just do it the <laughs> yeah. easy way. Just win and win and it's over. Absolutely. Um, last week we got the best case scenario because we got a win. The Rams won. 
we didn't need to clinch last week. This week we can clinch with a win. We don't have to mess around with all those other teams losing and tying and, you know, win and we're in. So that's easy. Uh, I, actually, I, like. I wouldn't necessarily mind the Rams lost this week to sort of knock them out of uh, contention. So they're not playing so hard next week. So yeah, yeah, for I think, sure. I think Cowboys. Uh, yes, I, mean, I believe that's great. Yeah, so, we can't and count also, on the Cowboys for anything though. So that's not really. Yeah. And, and I guess with that, you, like, do you want, I mean, in the best case scenario, the you know, 49ers went out and the, the Seahawks grabbed that five seed and then they play the nfc east champion quote unquote, or air quotes in air quotes because somebody's gonna win it maybe that's the way they should do it. they should just change that like forget it we're just gonna give it to somebody else like you know, just yeah <laughs> even like the rams who are probably better than both those teams if the way the way they're playing right now probably well, no, I, I feel like if you if you switch uh coaches with the rams and the cowboys the cowboys would be pretty good and the rams would be rather bad but probably but we don't live in that world and nope. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry doesn't want to live in that world, so whatever. Nah, man. Nah, man. He's just, he's just going to let Jason Garrett go to New York or something, so it'll be fun. Yeah. That's all I got, man. That, that's it. All right. Good deal. Well, uh, we're rooting for the 49ers. We're rooting for... I'm I'm not going to say we're rooting for Dallas because that just makes me feel dirty inside. Against um, the Rams. And, Against the yeah, Rams. Just, we'll just wanna lo- we want the Rams to lose. We're not going to say who we're rooting for in order to make that happen. And then... You know, also hoping that the Panthers have a little something left in them to uh, to pull off the victory here in uh, Charlotte over the uh, Seattle Seahawks. And then why do we why do we break their quarterback? Why do we do I, I that? I don't know. This was our fault, but you know it had to be. It done. is. It it's... had to be done. <laughs> it's all Nick Bosa's fault. Nick Bosa literally took uh, <laughs> Kyle Allen's soul when he snatched that ball out of the air, and and that that was it. And he ended he ended him. Kyle <laughs> Allen has not been the same person since that happened. I think we can literally pinpoint that moment. Yeah, I mean, like, he had no He no reached up out of the sky. Uh, well, he had already thrown an interception in the game at that point. Oh, when, oh when yeah, Bosa, yeah. When Bosa did it, game. but yeah. that was the end of him. Like, he's, <laughs> he reached up out of the sky, snatched the ball, and Kyle Allen said, I am done. This is it. I'm finished. You should have pulled a, uh, a Davis and just retired halftime. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. All right. Um, well, uh, here we go. Thanks for listening, everyone. To go the... Panthers. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Niner Noise uh, podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Uh, please check us out on your favorite podcasting platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Um, all the other podcasting networks so you can get us in uh, Spotify and other things like that um, and if you would leave us a nice review and share the podcast with all your 49er fan friends um, and uh, we will root 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 for the uh, Niners team and until then we'll see you next week Niner fans Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.